mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turning your Bibles with me to John chapter 7, verse 25. We're going to be beginning there today. We ended up if you'll remember with me, it's verse 24, and Jesus says this. I think it sets us up for life and godliness for the rest of the text, plus also our lives. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. The just shall live by faith, and we're always judging things or looking at things um, in the appearance of what we see, the sight of what we see, but we're supposed to be looking at things from the truth of God's Word. See, because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you're reading through the Bible schedule, that's the first verse in chapter 11 of Hebrews today for your reading. And if you remember, Jesus is in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles, He's teaching in the temples. Remember, he went up secretly or stealthily, and he didn't want, because they're trying to kill him. Listen, they are trying to kill Jesus because he, they believe, broke the law, healed a man on the Sabbath. It's in chapter 5. Now, the common people, the rest of the people, they don't know that the ruling authorities are looking to arrest him and kill him. So they are looking at the outer appearance. They're looking at what's going on, but Jesus knows the heart. Jesus sees their heart and knows what their plans are from within, and he's trying to get them to turn. So he comes in secretly. He doesn't rush right in. He's on God's timetable, and he's trying to protect them from their own plans so that they can even listen to what he's saying, hear the words of life, and turn from their own wicked plans. Now listen to me. They're trying to kill him. And, and, and listen, it hasn't changed. Think about it. They've always been trying to kill God's word. They've always been trying to kill God. We call it death culture. Today, people in the secular world call it cancel culture. But they're really trying to kill God. Did he say? Listen, because God is spirit. Right? You think, well, he's not here right now. So how are they still trying to go? God is a spirit. And his spirit is in the world right now, convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment. And if you believe the conviction that you're a sinner and that you're going to be judged and you can be righteous only in Christ, then the spirit comes in and seals you. So now death culture wants to kill the work of the spirit that's in you, that's regenerating you, that sanctifies you, and that you have to get into the word of God. John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them with truth. And then he says, your word is truth. 
That's the way that we begin to be sanctified, the washing and the cleansing of the water through the Word. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So what does the devil want us to do? He wants us to always be judging by sight, outer appearance, not listening to the work of the Holy Spirit in us that takes the Word of God, truth, and washes and cleanses us and changes who we are. And what did the Bible say to us? Man shall not live by bread alone. Physical bread. But what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So death culture wants to kill the words that proceeds from the mouth of God so that the Spirit of God doesn't use them in your life. That's why it's so important in our witnessing to use the Word of God. Our own physical means, our own physical programs, our own physical plans, our own physical things that we have here on this planet will not change a soul one bit. And the devil knows that. So he wants us to always be building church with physical methods, always doing our own physical works and our own religion instead of surrendering to the work of the Spirit in our lives. And so we always judge by outer appearance. Well, they showed up for church and they were dressed really nice and they drive a nice car and they have a few dollars and they get a good job and a good career. So they must be spiritual. Remember, they're in the temple. They're sitting there. The people who have the nice stuff are the Pharisees. They're the false people. It's the ruling authorities. They're all dressed real nice. They got phylacteries on their head. They've got the word of God everywhere. They're the people that they're following their example. And listen, Listen, they're so far away from God that they're trying to kill him for breaking the law that they, he didn't even break. And he just said that to them. If you circumcise a child on the eighth day and it happens to fall upon the Sabbath, don't you break Moses' law? And yet you try to kill me because I made a man completely whole? See, and so they're so far away from hearing the word of God, the truth of God, which will sanctify them and turn them around away from themselves and sin and Satan, that they're going to kill him. And that's what, that's what happens with us. When we don't just listen to the Word of God, believe the Word of God, trust it as the truth of God, then we begin to cut its head off like they did with John the Baptist. We begin to say, but wait a minute, my intellect is telling me that, you know, it, I just have to do more than that. Wait a minute, you have to insult your intellect to believe spirit. Your intellect has been trained by who? The devil. Listen to me. Because our inheritance from the garden is the sin nature, which is death. It leads to death. So your dreams, your desires, your decisions will always lead to death if you leave the spirit of God out. It'll always lead to death because it's the old inheritance. It's the old sin nature. It is exactly what you have apart from God. So in order to have life and let the Spirit in and stop following earthly, central, demonic wisdom, you have to trust God. You have to surrender to God. You have to allow the Spirit of God to come into your heart and begin to wash and cleanse you. The devil knows that, so he doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to do everything else except for that. He wants you to play games, pretend, dress up, look like, warm your hands at the fire. Judge with outer appearance. Listen, and I am so glad that God judges my heart and not outer appearance. Because a lot of us can pretend we can go buy a $100 suit. We can look like we know what we're doing. We can write a good book. We can, we can do all these things that look like godliness. 
but they lead you straight to hell. The question is to us is, did God really say? Listen, I know we're looking at his example, but he began to, to do and to teach. He actually, as he did it, he could now say the word, and then the word is what changes your life. Not the physical bread. Did God really say? Yes, he did. What did he say? I, I, I don't know. What did he say? Learn God's word. It's our moral compass to navigate the, the, our spiritual life, our, our, our new kingdom, our new home. And the enemy is always trying to kill our physical life. And you know what? Your flesh is always waiting to step up. Man, you can pretend in your flesh. You can play in your flesh. It's easy. I'm just going to show up. I was there last week. I know what it looks like. Use a little Christianese. But are we on the grow? And the only way to grow is the Spirit of God. I hate being tied to my notes. So, our sinful nature, our self, our judging by appearance, play in religion, leads us to death. And, 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 and we're living in this death culture. And the Spirit of God wants to wake us up. Wake from your sleep, arise from, or excuse me, awake from your death, arise from your sleep, and Christ will give you light. Then what are we supposed to do? See then that we walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. And the only way we can do that is through the spiritual leading of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word. Because his truth isn't changing. He is truth. If we're following Jesus, we're following truth. But the only way to know him and have that relationship with him is to begin to get into his word and learn his heart. This is God's heart. Everything that he wants us to know is contained in here. It's contained in this book, and it's always going to be consistent. It's always going to be the same. He doesn't change. But we are so like these Pharisees, or can be like these Pharisees and Sadducees and ruling authorities, so full of our own self-righteousness, that we don't even believe that we're going to die sometimes. Well, I'm not even thinking about that. Ask some people if they're thinking about dying. No, I'm going to live forever. That's why I go to the gym. That's why I'm eating healthy. That's why I don't do gluten. You know, all these things that they're doing to try to have life and satisfy their soul, but they're ignoring their, that they're a spirit in a body. This body's made to die. This body's made to be sick. This body is going to fail you. But the real important question is, is where's your soul? What are you feeding your soul? But we spend a lot of time worrying about what we feed our bodies. And of course, you know, Paul says bodily exercise profits a little. Just a little. This, the devil would love for you to, to, to destroy your body, the temple, in a sense. And then you wouldn't be out witnessing Where am I at? So Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And by His grace, we answer that. We say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. We say, yes. And He wakes us up. But you know what? He doesn't use any force. God doesn't use force. What does He do? God doesn't send a big army full of soldiers. God just speaks. He sent his word, the truth, because the devil lied to us. 
And we were born in lies. We were born dead. And now there's just truth that he speaks to us. Could he use force? You know, he sent one angel. One angel killed 185,000 people in one night. Think about if he would have sent some just send a couple angels. He could really take some people out. Send 10 angels. What if he sends 100 angels, a whole legion? But he doesn't. He comes by, he doesn't come in force. He doesn't come in, he wants you to freely choose to follow him. Freely choose to allow the Spirit of God to teach you, to guide you, to lead you, to instruct you, to wash you and cleanse you, to freely look at his word and begin to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's a choice whether you're going to listen to the word of truth or be hearers only, deceiving your self-righteous self. See, because when we don't become doers of the word, we think we're already okay. But we're supposed to always be on the grow. We're not finished yet. We have to continue, abide, remain. Histomize the word in Ephesians 6. It's to stand. Stand in the truth of God. Stand in the word of God. And we all fall short in so many ways, but our hearts need to be turned toward histomize. Turn towards standing, making a commitment, as Jesus called for in chapter 6, to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Making this firm commitment that these are the words of life. Where can we go? Nowhere else to go. And then we'll stop listening to the earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom, and we'll understand that if it doesn't line up with God's word, it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. See, because when you shift back and forth and you're double-minded with this and you don't just commit completely to eat his flesh and drink his blood, then it creates the confusion that the devil wants. If there's any doubt, there's going to be confusion. If there's any doubt, you will have confusion. Listen to me. That's all the devil wants to do is get you to doubt. Did God really say? Yes, Did he really die for you? Yes. Does he really love you? Yes. With a never-ending love. Are we going to be hearers only? Deceiving our self-righteous selves? Or are we going to do what John 10, 27 says? My sheep, possession, hear my voice, my word, I know them, relationship, and they follow me. We become doers. Followers become doers. They're in the way with. But what happens is we begin to follow outward appearance. We go back to verse 24, which he wants us to understand. Outwardly, it looked like Jesus had did something wrong, even though he made a man whole completely on the Sabbath day. He did not break the law. He did not break the law. He was doing the work of the Father who sent him. And he says to us um, in 724, do not judge according to appearance, but judge according to righteous judgment. How is that done? With the word of God. Using the Word of God as the litmus test. Using the Spirit of God to guide us. And I think that I want God, and I don't know about you, but I have God. I cry out and say, just judge me, Lord. Look at what I'm doing and judge me. Cast me into hell. Do we do that? No. 
we cry out for mercy and for grace. And we're like, but Lord, I didn't mean to. Lord, forgive me. Again and again we cry out. And what happens? It's 1 John 1, 9. He's such a gracious, long-suffering God that he, yes, he says, yes, you've confessed it. You agree with me that that was unrighteous, that was wrong, that was self and sin and Satan. So I'm faithful to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm still working on you. I'm still moving in you. You're still trusting in my word, even though you allowed your flesh to listen to a lie, even though you listened to something that was wrong. Keep running the race. Keep standing and learning not to judge according to appearance because the just shall live by faith, not by sight. And we always want to live by sight. I want it what they have. I want what they got. I want to do what they're doing. I want to be like the world. I mean, it's nothing new. Read the Old Testament. They wanted to be like the nations around them. But God has a different work for the people that he sets apart. We're not chasing our dreams and desires. We're not making our decisions, that's judgment, on our own. We're trusting in the Spirit of God because if it's our dreams and our desires and our decisions, self, it's going to lead to death. And Christ has given us life in that more abundantly. Now, he's teaching this in the temple, set in the temple. So we begin in 725... And we see as it continues, and hopefully we can um, go through this and get finished with this chapter. Now, some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from, and I have, come, I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes... Will he do more signs than these which this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, You shall seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come? On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? 
Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was division among them or the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priest and the Pharisees and said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers said, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd does not know the but this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word, and we pray that you would quicken it to our heart. You would speak to us clearly, and we would fully understand what you're saying to the church, and we'd be doers and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look back at 25. A lot of content here. Excuse me, my nose is bothering me. Now, some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Now, there's a couple of things going on here. They're watching him teach. They're seeing the rulers standing around, and... And they're saying, why are they not saying anything? Because he's standing here and speaking boldly, and he's talking right in front of them. And if they're seeking to kill him, why aren't they taking him? So look at the confusion that takes place. They don't know who to to choose because the leaders are not doing what they say. The leaders are saying that they're supposed to be going to arrest him and kill him, take him. But he's sitting right in their temple, teaching. And he's not one of them. And so now the people, they're starting to go back and forth, and they're kind of confused as what is going on because nobody's doing what they should be doing. Even the leaders are saying one thing and not doing it. But what is Jesus doing? No matter what other people are doing, he's fulfilling what he's called to do. No matter what others are doing, look, he speaks boldly. He speaks boldly what? The truth. This is the same thing that Paul prayed for. It's the same thing that you and I should be doing in Ephesians 6 when Paul said that we should be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit for all the saints. And then he said for himself, and that I would have utterance to speak boldly the way that I need to speak and reveal the, and make known the mystery of the gospel. I mean, we, we have the Holy Spirit and we can speak boldly. We can make utterance and teach the word of God. And we should be doing that as we go out. That's why we're being equipped right here to go speak boldly. We're learning the word of God to go speak boldly by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus is doing. Even in the face, even in the face of what? Death. He knows it's not his hour, though. See, and you and I, we're indestructible until God's finished with us. He's called us. He's given us gifts and talents and abilities. He's called us for a specific purpose, to be witnesses, to go out and tell others. And we're not going to die a moment earlier or a moment later than when we're appointed to die. So you can speak boldly the gospel. 
Now, there's times where, you, I mean, if you're led by the Spirit, you're going to have wisdom also when to speak and when not to speak. There's times that the Spirit just puts shut up on your mouth, and you just don't speak. But if you're looking to be a witness, the Holy Spirit will use you, and He will loosen your tongue and give you utterance to be bold and tell others about Jesus. So here's, here's confusion going on, though. They can't figure out what's going on. And then, what do they do? They look at verse 27. They look at the false teaching that they've been taught. However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. See, they taught by tradition and falsely that he was just going to appear out of nowhere and there he would be, and nobody would know who he was. And in fact, the nation of Israel is still looking for someone to do that. And it's going to be the Antichrist, just to come out of nowhere, step out of the pages of nowhere. But we know that Micah 5.2, Micah 5.2 tells us exactly that, which i, I got to calm myself or I'll start teaching something else. Micah's a good book here. But 5.2 says, but you, Bethlehem, remember Bethlehem? means house of bread. Where would the bread of life be born? In the house of bread. That's where bread comes from. Bethlehem means house of bread. Ephratah, which is fruitfulness. That's the district that Bethlehem is in. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, that's another region. That's where Jerusalem's at. Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, those governed by God, whose going forth are from of old. He's the ancient of days from everlasting. Remember John 1.1? 1, 1? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He's, he's, the, he's the ancient of days. He's always been. The Scriptures teach. And so many people actually think that it's from, Psalm, or excuse me, from Isaiah 53. Actually, it's Isaiah 53.8 that they get this and they taught this is that as you they, they knew this was of the Messiah and they still believe it's of the Messiah. And it says he was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generations. And for some reason they take that verse and say, we don't know how to declare his generations. We don't know where he's from. He's just going to suddenly appear. I don't understand that, but that's what the people say about it. And I'm just throwing that out. You can throw it out if you don't like it. Uh, but they say that that's the verse they use to say that they don't know where he's coming from. And they, see, that's what causes confusion. When you don't know the scriptures, when you don't learn the scriptures, when you don't have a relationship with God, when you don't understand thoroughly what is being said, and you listen to leaders who have ulterior motives, they have different motives. They want to stay in power. They want to stay in power. They want to stay in control. And listen to me, it's the same thing the devil does today. He's always done. If he can cause confusion and fear, then he has authority over you because you can't make a decision in what to do. But when you plant yourself on the rock and you know what the truth is and you know what you're called to do and you boldly speak it no matter what they do, they can't cause that confusion. They can't cause that fear. They can't dominate your life. When you know the truth of your inheritance to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, when you know that you're going you're to follow what God has called you to do because you're just trusting in truth. You're being led by the Spirit. You're not going into all this other stuff. You're not caught up like others are. See, because that's what they're trying to do even in the world today. Live a physical life. You have to chase the American dream. It's okay for you to pursue this and that and the other thing. Listen, you're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. 
Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Listen, we have to get this true because the, the devil wants to kill the work of the Spirit in your life. And if he can kill the work of the Spirit in your life, then you might have a saved soul, but you have a lost life. And some people don't even like me saying that statement. But I believe that you can believe in Jesus and you can be saved, but you resist the work of the Holy Spirit or you're deceived into following your own dreams and your own desires. And you don't understand that you're supposed to be denying self, taking up your cross daily and following him. Not in death culture anymore, but now you're walking in life and that more abundantly fulfilling what he, de what he designed you in your mother's womb to do. So we have to be careful not to get caught up in the false doctrine and, and following false leaders who don't know the Word of God. And we have to be careful because that will cause confusion. So to boldly speak, to boldly walk out uh, what you're called to do, not, not rude as a sailor, but boldly be a man or a woman of God, a child of God that knows what they're called for, to be a witness, to go and make disciples. The righteous are bold as lions, but not rude as sailors, okay? We want to do speak the truth in love. And again, back to don't judge according to appearance. Sometimes we don't speak because we think they're okay. Sometimes by appearance, we think people are okay. You know Jesus? Yeah, okay, they're okay. I don't have to say nothing. Uh, does he know you? Are you reading your Bible? You know, just because people say they know Jesus, people in America think they know Jesus because they're born in America. Which Jesus are they following? Are they following the true Jesus? Or are they following false doctrine that thinks that you're not going to know who he is? See, and that's why it's so important to be in the word, prayer, and fellowship. And you have your own personal relationship. It's not just what I'm saying, because I could lead you astray. I could, you have to be a Berean, the Bible calls them in the book of Acts. A Berean, they, they, they searched the scriptures daily to find out if what Paul was saying was true. And that, in that, they build a relationship. In that, they're being led by the Spirit of God. In that, they're being washed and cleansed. In that, they're growing and finding out what they're supposed to be doing just naturally. Just naturally. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because if you watch, he's going to end up saying, if you're thirsty, come to me, to a person, to truth. And what? Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John gives us the commentary that the rivers of living water is actually the Holy Spirit flowing out of you. Because that's what people need is to see the truth of God by the Spirit of God, or they're not going to come to salvation. It can't be a program. It can't be something that, oh, I'm just loving them. I'm being nice to them. I'm talking to them. I bought them some gifts. It has to be the Spirit of God that takes the Word of God and pierces the heart that belongs to God, and then that heart wakes up. And if it wakes up, it's going to begin to be led by the Spirit and fulfill what it's called to be doing. And God prepares them. Meanwhile, we want to give grace and mercy to them as we help them grow. Like we would to a small child. Twenty-eight. 
Then Jesus cried out, cried out with a loud voice. As he taught in the temple. So see, when I'm loud, it's okay. Jesus was loud. He cried out. As he taught in the temple, he's still teaching in the temple. Is he teaching in the temple? See, the Spirit of God is the teacher. And you're the temple of God. Saying, you both know me and you know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Now notice that, that statement there you're going to see in 29 and 30. That statement, again, is him qualifying himself to be from God and of God. And he is God, because they're going to send soldiers to arrest him because of that statement again. They don't like that statement. But listen. I, I've, I've read this over and over and over and over and over. And he says, you both know me and you know where I am from. Now, there's a couple ways you can read that, that he's saying these two things, both. Or he's talking to both groups of people that stand in there. Because really, it, it, when you narrow everything down in the world, this is what I think he's speaking into both groups. Whenever you check everything out, there's only those that are going to listen to God's voice and those that are listening to the devil's voice. There's only two. There's only a both. There's not a whole bunch of ways, even though the devil creates all of these other places. I was watching a video yesterday, and that's what the guy said to the message. Yeah, but there's all these other religions, and there's all these other people that they're just as adamant about what they're doing, and that their way is right, and they are. And that's because the confusion that the devil wants to cause, because if it looks like there's so many ways you can go, then he can get you into just, I'm not going to make a decision. I'm not going to train my kids in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they'll not depart therefrom because you know what? I'm going to let them grow up and whatever they make a decision, that can just be their own personal decision. I'm not going to force it upon them like my parents did to me. Listen, we are called to, as a steward to train our children in the way that they're supposed to go because there's only two ways. There's life and death. That's it. There's blessing and cursing. That's it. And standing there listening to Jesus are people that believe and don't believe. That's it. Right? That's it. And he's saying, in the physical sense, you know me and you know where I'm from. But you don't know my father because you're not listening to my word. You're not listening to, I'm trying to declare it and be a witness. But you know me and you know where I'm from. Listen, if they just did a little bit of investigation, what would they have found out? Where he was born at. Hey, dude, where was you born? How come there's no questions? They're just ready to kill him. How come there's no asking? The whole nation is waiting for the Messiah. They're saying he's bound to come. We're in bondage. There's something that's got to happen right now. See, we've got that same type of buildup in the world today. Somebody's got to come. Some leader's got to come because the Antichrist is coming. But why didn't they just look at him and go, hey, okay, let's, let's, let's take it down a notch. Why didn't they just go, hey, James, Jude, they came the first day. I mean, they were there. Why didn't they go, hey, James, where'd you guys move from? Did you guys used to live, used to live in Bethlehem? 
Where was Jesus born? Just a little bit of investigation. See, Jesus is here right now. The Spirit of God is here right now, and he's wanting you to investigate just a little bit deeper the truths of God and not make a decision based on outer appearance, not make a decision based upon you feel good, not based a decision based upon your experience, but make a decision based upon truth and fact. Find out the truth because it's the devil that wants you to keep thinking that I can decide this in my physical flesh. I can decide it. But I just feel good about that decision. Oh, I had this experience on the way over here. That I, you know, I always said to God, if a red car goes by, I, I know, I look weird. I do that all the time. My wife goes, don't do that. That's weird. But I'm trying to be funny. I'm trying to be facetious. I'm trying to take some of the brunt off of this because we do these type of fleeces. If a red car goes by, then I am going to take that job. I'm going to do such and such. We do crazy stuff. Instead of knowing the will of God, being led by the Spirit of God, we try to go by appearance in everything. We try to live in the physical because we're physical beings. But God has told us not to do that. All they had to do was investigate. All they had to do was search. All you have to do is pray. Ask God to reveal himself to you and then wait upon him. Don't rush right out like I do where angels fear to tread, and there I am. Pray and ask and wait. I know it's hard, but the more you set your mind to pray and wait, the easier it gets to pray and wait. The more you set your mind, let's back up, to pray, the easier it gets to pray. But you have to do all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You make your request known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And you're laying it all at his feet because you're led by the spirit. You don't want to be led by the physical flesh because the physical flesh is the old nature. It's the sin nature. It's the ones where your dreams, desires, and decisions will lead you to hell. It will lead you to death, if not to your whole soul, at least to death of a relationship, death of a place where you think you're supposed to be. It can kill things in your life. Can kill disobedience even, can kill the voice of God in your life. See, if you're not hearing the voice of God through the Word of God and the Spirit of God, if you're not hearing the voice of God, He's not instructing you, maybe you need to say, Lord, where was it that I was disobedient and you're waiting for me to be obedient? So that you can begin speaking to me and helping me grow again. Because in our lives, we do that. And then God says, I'm not going to speak again until you, I mean, you can get general knowledge as you're listening, but he really is not using your life and you're not going in your life because you've been rebellious about something and you've decided you're going to stick to your decision and your desire and your way, your sin, self, and Satan, your self-righteousness instead of becoming a doer of God's word. I know it's hard sometimes to be a doer of God's word. It goes against our flesh, especially when we already by outer appearance feel like, I'm okay, I said a prayer. I'm okay, I'm in heaven. I have positionally been saved. Really, well, we're being disobedient. And we need to wake up that God doesn't want us to live in a disobedient way, but to be led by the Spirit of God. And that's the evidence that we're children of God. So we can say we know Him. We can say we know He's from heaven. But do we know the Father? Do we know the Father? Are you praying to the Father? Do you understand that He's a good Father? That He's taking care of you? He sent salvation? 
Listen, this is salvation. Look at John 17. I'll, I'll just give you a sneak peek of where we're going to get to. John 17. Kind of ties in with what John gives us his commentary down in verse uh, uh, 39. He spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. because See, the Spirit doesn't come until Jesus is glorified. Look at John 17. Let's just read. Um, I want you to hone in on verse 3, but we're going to read starting in verse 1. Because this is really the Lord's Prayer. A lot of people teach the Lord's Prayer is uh, 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 something different. But this is the Lord's Prayer right here. The other place... Uh, uh, um, when they sat down and Jesus taught them to pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That was a model of how to look, where to go. The Father is the one that you pray to in the name of Jesus. And you hallow his name first. That's, that's different. That's a model of what everything should look. That's not to be wrote. You don't just repeat that. It was a model of how they should be able to address the envelope and put the stamp on it of Jesus' name. And if you're not living for Jesus, it doesn't matter how many times you say, in Jesus' name. If you're not living for him, you're living in the flesh, the prayer's going nowhere. It's hitting the ceiling you regard iniquity in your heart god doesn't hear your prayers that means if you're disobedient and chasing your own dreams and desires and decisions and living in death culture instead of being led by the spirit jesus spoke these words lifted up his eyes to heaven because that's where our hope comes from and he said father the hour has come now you're going to see in the text he says it's not yet my hour but he knows now he's getting ready to go to the cross and die. And he says, glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority, power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Now, listen, because here defines eternal life. And this is eternal life. Stop. Do you guys know? It's so amazing to me because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a weird person. But like eternal life, you know what the acrostic is? E-L. Why is that important? That's the Hebrew for God. E-L is Hebrew for God. L is single God. L-O is dual. Elohim is triune God. But eternal life actually has the acrostic. Oh, never mind. It's just for me. You can throw it away. God's so, he, he's so precise in everything. Verse 3, 17-3. And this is eternal life. You want to know what the eternal life is? Well, isn't it saying a prayer? This is eternal life that they, those who believe, may know, understand, you, the only true God. Who's he praying to? The Father. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Listen, that's eternal life. Do you know him? Do you thirst? Have you come to him? Have you drank of the rivers of living water? Are you satisfied? Are rivers of living water flowing out of your heart because you understand the salvation you've been given and you want others to also receive it? That's the Holy Spirit using you, the Holy Spirit working through you when that flows out of your life. Verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Do you know that God has given you work? Are you looking to complete it? Are you looking to finish it, to tell us die? It is finished. 
Are you looking to finish it? And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I have with you before the world was. Ancient of days, he's always been. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Back at our text, he says that, again, 28, you know, you know me, and you know where I'm from, and you know that I came from the Father. I, he says, I, I have not come of myself. See, that's another thing. If the things you're doing in life, are you doing them for yourself? Oh, be careful. Be careful. See, that's what the world tells you to do. Everything's for yourself. You got to put up this money for your 401k so when you're older and yourself needs something, you got to do all these things for yourself. In fact, if you don't do this for yourself, then, then how can you love others if you don't love yourself? See, those are all adding to the physical realm of death. They're not what the Word of God says. That's not what the Word of God says. You know, God actually gave the rich young ruler two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first great commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. People will add in there, well, unless you love yourself, you can't love the Lord your God. You can't love your neighbor. That's three commandments. Jesus only gave two. See, as you work on your vertical, God will teach you to give yourself away to others. And that's the greatest way you can love your own soul is be led by the Spirit and the truth, the Word of God, and do what He says. As you obey Him, you are loving yourself. You are taking care of your own soul. He is washing and cleansing you. As you work on the vertical, it takes care of the horizontal, and you're already done. You don't have to do anything else. But we think we have to do for me first. That's why the acrostic of joy is Jesus, others, and then yourself. And now, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had. This is the end of it. He's already done everything. Let's look back at this. He says in 29, but I know him. I know the Father because he came from the Father. For I am from him. What? Yeah, God spoke and sent his word to heal the land. It's God's word that they're trying to kill. It's God's word that we're listening to. It's God's word that became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus, again, is truth. John 16, or 17, 17, if I kept going in that chapter, sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. Listen, God spoke, I am from him, and he sent me. A loving father sent someone to rescue his children. Therefore, verse 30, John 7, 30, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Listen to me. Perfectly in the timing of God perfectly in a relationship with God. It was not his hour. His hour was set. His hour was perfectly set. God is sovereign. He's supposed to come in on the 10th in the sun, die at twilight on the 14th in the sun, raise on the 17th in the sun. Don't know how it all works, but I love it that God has got everything perfectly set. He's written it in books. He knows exactly what's going on. You can trust him even when you don't know it. And people will go, well, wait a minute, I need to search that out. Well, search it out. Investigate it. But listen to me. Listen to me. We do all kinds of stuff that we have no idea how it works. 
Get in a car. Yeah. Explain to me how a combustion engine works. I mean, come on. See, explain something. And we still drive it. You don't have to know everything about God and His Word perfectly in order to trust Him and know that He's God. And it's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. So if you find self involved in it, then you know that you're in the flesh. They was going to take Him. Let me see what these words mean because it actually means more. See, uh, um, they sought to take Him that means to seize or arrest him. If it was an animal, it would be to capture him. But they didn't have the power to do it. They couldn't lay a hand on him. They couldn't lay a hand on him because it wasn't his hour yet. It wasn't his season. It wasn't his time to go to be arrested. And when, when he's arrested and, and, and spit on and mocked and betrayed and nailed to a tree, it's not because they did it. It's because for this purpose he came. It wasn't nails that held him on that cross. It was his love for you and me. He was fulfilling the Father's will, allowing his own creation to kill him because he was dying for your sin and my sin, for the world's sin. Listen, that's why I tell you all the time, don't get focused on the sin. It's been paid for. Get focused on the Father who sent His Son and He loves you and His Spirit wants to work through you and stop focusing on the physical. That's the sin. It's paid for. It's in the grave. It's done. It doesn't mean that you didn't do it or you don't stumble in it or you don't even practice it, but it's paid for. I am not giving you permission to sin. God forbid that a preacher would do that. But I'm telling you the physical's paid for and we're now spiritual. And our identity is in the realm of spiritual truth. And you have to search out that inheritance and stop living in the physical death that we were given under the first Adam. We've been given new life by marriage in the second Adam. Verse 31, because of what just transpired, as people were witnessing and watching, and because of the Spirit of God working in them, it says, and many of the people believed. That means they trusted Him as the Messiah. They entrusted their spiritual well-being into Christ, and they committed to Him and said, when the Christ comes, the Messiah, will He do more miracles than these which this man has done? So they see Him. They know what's going on. They're, they're understanding it. And they're recognizing his boldness and speaking and them not arresting him as a miracle. What happens next? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring. Now we can look at this and say murmuring is grumbling or complaining, but it's really to whisper low. They start to whisper because they don't want to talk out loud because if somebody hears them, somebody hears them, they'll know that they're believing in him and they could lose their entire historicity. They could be kicked out of the synagogue. So they're murmuring these things. What are they murmuring? This is the Christ. Is somebody else going to do more miracles? This has got to be him. They are not arresting him. They must know it also. And so they're trying to make a firm decision. And they the same people, the Pharisees, remember them? The Pharisees are called the separatists. They were separated ones. It's about 6,000 of them. And they believed in the whole Bible. They believed in resurrection, angel, and everything. They're part of the Sanhedrin uh, that was the ruling authorities. And everybody looked to them for teaching and for help and for life. But look, the Pharisees and the chief priests. See, these people usually don't work together, but the enemies of God are joining together in order to kill God. Chief priests. Oh, it's plural, Greg. Look at that. It's plural. Why is it plural? 
Well, because they're underneath Roman rule. And you go back and look, you can look in, uh, what is it, Acts 4? When uh, uh, Peter and John got arrested, and they brought them before the, the family, the royal family. And they brought them to Annas and to Caiaphas. Well, Annas was the true high priest, which is for life, according to the Jewish law. But the Roman authorities didn't like Annas, so they made his son-in-law, Caiaphas, the high priest. And then the rest of the family stand in there also. They're all in it together. They're trying to keep their authority. They're trying to keep their power. Well, Annas might have said, well, don't take me out. Won't you make my son-in-law your high priest since you don't like me? But there's two of them right now. What? Why is there two of them? There's only one high priest. How many high priests do you have? Do you know who your high priest is? Jesus the Christ of the order of Melchizedek? He's your high priest. He's the one that passed through the, the veil that was rent. He's the one that laid his body down. He's the one that poured out his blood. He's the high priest that made his own sacrifice by saying, here I am, Lord. In the volume of the book it is written, I have come to do thy will, O God. And he laid down his life for you and me. He is the only real high priest. The world will make two high priests. That, that calls confusion. Who do I listen to? Listen to God. Be taught by the Spirit of God. Don't look to leaders who can lead you astray. Don't look to the government who can change up and, and change everything. Make two high priests, chief priests. What did they do together? They joined together because they got to get rid of this guy. Why? Because the people are drawn to him, and we don't even know how to arrest him. We can't even lay hands on him. They sent officers to arrest him, to take him. So now we know what they're going to do. Listen, listen. you got to know what them words mean, right? Because they mean more than what you're reading. Officers are uh, the, the constable or the servants of the temple well i can't find it take him is got the inference of to kill him take him arrest him bring him here then jesus said to them because jesus knows what they're doing what they're saying he said to them notice it's god's word he's speaking i shall be with you a little while longer and then I go to him who sent me. Now think about it. If we only had that one verse, we only had that one verse, and we were listening to the word of God, what did he just say? Where is he going? I'm going back to the Father. I'm going back to heaven. See, we can get that right now. But notice the next verse. You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, now this is the ruling authorities, the Pharisees, the chief priests in them. Where does he intend? This is their pride, their arrogance, their pomp because of their power. Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersed among the Greeks or the Gentiles and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he has said? You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. So they're speaking real derogatorily. They're, they're like, dude, you can't go nowhere and hide from us. But guess what? They were the separated ones. They would not go to those Gentiles. 
they would not go into the dispersion. They would not go into that area. And that's the only thing they could figure out is if, if you go to a place where we will not go because it's unclean, then we won't go there because we're the separatists. That's the only thing they could think of. And, of course, these Gentiles or these Greeks were people that had become proselytes and had given their, their self to the Jewish law, and now they're in these areas. But we won't stay there. But they, they don't understand when he clearly said he was going to him who sent me. And sometimes we can read Scripture that way. Sometimes we can understand Scripture that way. But he told them they cannot come. And that's an absolute negative. Never, you cannot, you're unworthy is what it says. That's if you look that word up in the Greek, cannot come. Cannot is unworthy. You cannot enter. You cannot appear. Is he speaking finality upon them? I think they can, I think they can uh, re reverse their course. But I think he knows that they won't. And he knows the final time. And he knows when he's just like with Pharaoh, he's going to show his mighty power on the earth through that person. But he died for everyone, for whomsoever. And they are listening to the word of God and they reject it. And they want to hang on to their power and their pomp and their prestige and their outer appearance. They want to make sure they don't lose their position. And they are afraid that all men are coming to Jesus now. We see the same type of environment today in the churches. People are afraid somebody might steal their sheep. Ain't nobody got no sheep. You've been called to be a teacher. You've been called to maybe have a church or equip some saints, but you ain't got no sheep. They're God's sheep. You ain't got no children. They're God's children. We're the body of Christ collectively together, all of us in the spiritual realm. And we're accountable to one another. If you would go back and read Ephesians 6, the first thing that God says is submit to one another in the fear of God. And then he starts to talk about husbands and wives. But we're supposed to be submitting to one another. And you know what? You can't judge me, man. You can't correct me, man. You don't get to say nothing to me, man. Don't speak the word of God to me, man. We already know what's going on, man. That's the attitude of most saints. But if you have the spirit of God, you, don't you want to know the truth of God? Or do you want to keep being led by leaders that are lying to you? Because we're doing the same thing over in culturanity. Where my pastor says this, and our book says that, and we're promoting this, and we're doing that. Well, what if they're in the ditch? And the blind leader is leading the blind, and you're following them, and you won't study the Word of God to find out and build that relationship. Listen, all you have to do is turn your heart toward home like the prodigal son. He was going to eat some cow pies in the field, and it says he came to his senses. Then what happened, Greg? And he said, I will go to my father. And I'll become a suffering servant for him. I won't be his child. I'll just become a servant. Then what happened, Greg? The father ran to him when he came to his senses. Ran to him. And men, men, they didn't run in those days. They had on these, these kilts or whatever you call them. They just didn't run. But he ran to him. And what did he do then, Greg? He put a signet ring on his hand. He made him one of his children. What did he do then, Greg? He had a banquet. He killed the fatty cat. He'd been waiting for this moment. And they celebrated. What did the Pharisee do then, Greg? The Pharisee, his brother, threw a fit that, that God would do something like that. The father would celebrate a lost child coming in. He'd do a fit. And he said, I've been with you always.
We have to change our heart. We have to repent. We have to turn and stop listening to the physical. Stop judging by appearance and begin to judge with righteous judgments. We can only come through the righteousness of God, through his word, through his spirit. We make proper discernments through his spirit, using his wisdom. Verse 37, we'll keep moving really quick. And oh man, we got a whole bunch of time left, don't we? On the last day, what if the day was the last day? That great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. This is when he cried out, he yelled. It actually, when you look it up, it's to croak as a raven, to scream. But it means just to cry aloud. He stood up and, and, and cried aloud so everybody looking could hear. What did he say, Greg? If anyone thirst, let him come to me. Are you thirsty? And drink. He who commits to me and trusts his spiritual well-being to me, as the scripture has said, scripture said it, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then the commentary from John, years later, years later, John gives this commentary because he wrote the book like, you know, uh, probably sometime around A.D. 70. He says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, after the death, burial and resurrection, he spent 40 days teaching his disciples, uh, Acts chapter one continuing to teach them and speak to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And then as they stood watching, he ascended into heaven. And then he told them to wait there. And they waited. In chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, came and overflowed them, if you will. Then there was the tongues of fire and the, the rushing mighty wind. You could hear it, but you didn't see any destruction. You know, like you can hear a tornado and you go, hide, get in the basement. You could hear the Holy Spirit from the boldness and from the utterances that was being made, you could hear the sound, but you didn't see any destruction because the Holy Spirit brings life, not destruction, not death. And the fire, of course, is probably burning out the dross or showing that God's a consuming fire. But what is he saying here on the last day, the great day of the feast, the eighth day, the new beginning, what they did with this feast and tabernacles? Remember, it's remembering that they were living nomadically in the wilderness and God provided for them water from a rock. Remember that? Moses hit the rock and water came gushing out when they were thirsty. And then God told him to hit the rock or to speak to the rock, just speak to it in a relationship way. And Moses got mad and he struck the rock a second time. You know what Moses did when he did that? He didn't just misrepresent God, but he messed up the entire typology in the Bible. Because Christ was only smitten once. Christ was only beaten once. And Moses hit the rock twice. And we're told in 1 Corinthians that that rock was Jesus. And that water came flowing out. The provision came from Jesus. And Moses didn't get to go into the promised land for that. God took him up on the mountain and said, look over there and you can see it. But then you give everything over to Joshua. Because the law can't deliver you. See, Moses represents the law. The law cannot. The, the physical cannot. Only the Spirit can, and Joshua is Hebrew for Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation. 
So it has to be Jesus that leads you into the promised land. It has to be, how's he doing it? His spirit, because God is a spirit. And he sent his spirit back to lead us into the promised land. The land that he promised to give us. A heavenly home. An inheritance. Joint heirs. So anyway, this celebration of tabernacles, they're looking back, but it's also looking forward to our mansion in heaven, John 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. But where I go, I go to prepare a place for you. Think about how long has he been preparing a place for us? It's a new place for our spirit to dwell. When this body gives up, he's preparing a place for us. And so it looks back and it looks forward. And then it now is. They're celebrating it. And what did they do on that last day? They've been pouring water out all week long. But on the last day, they come and they just keep pouring water out. And it's remembering the water. It's remembering the water. And Jesus is standing there. He is the water. He is the spirit. He is the one that gives that life. He is the one. If you thirst, he says, come. He didn't just say come anywhere. You come to me. You come to a person. And many come, listen, listen, because you can stop. Remember that old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? See, you can be thirsty, something in you, and you can try to fill it with drugs and alcohol and sex and relationship and jobs. you got all these things we try to fill this thirst in us. How, what makes me satisfied? You satisfy my soul. You're thirsty, you're thirsty, you're still thirsty. And you say, I come to Jesus. But did you drink? See, are you reading the word of God? Are you spending time with him? Are you drinking of the living water? Because if you're drinking of it, then it's going to flow out of you. Because it becomes like a fire in your bosom. You've got to tell somebody. You go, I am talking with the Lord of the universe. I am talking with the creator. He's speaking to my heart. And he's filling this thirst. He's satisfying my soul. And I've got to say something to somebody. I've got to flow. And it flows out of you because of who he is. Not because of who you are. Because of the spiritual. Not because of the physical. And that's when the devil wants to start to attack more. And he wants to stop you from walking in the spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he wants you to fulfill the lust of the flesh so you won't do anything in the spirit. Listen to me. We got to wake up. What's your relationship with the spirit? What's your relationship today with the spirit? Because God tells us, John 14, 16. He says, he says I'm going away and I'll not leave you as orphans. He says, I will be with you and then I'll be in you. So the Holy Spirit comes and he's with. It's para. Paracletus is the comforter. It's one who comes alongside to help. It's like a paralegal that comes alongside to help a lawyer. The paralegal cannot go into the courtroom and practice law. And the Holy Spirit cannot force you to follow God. But your free will, you can choose to receive the counsel, receive the leading and follow and be led and be the child of God. And when you receive first the, the conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment, then he comes in you. It's the Greek preposition E-N. He comes and dwells here. But when you drink, him and his father come and make their home with you. He, he tells us all this in John 14. We're going to get to it. Boy, I can't wait to get to it. But what did he, there's a third, the threefold ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's a third, the overflowing out of your heart, when you drink, it comes out of your heart flowing. 
The third is Acts 1.8. Remember the boys, they're worried about times and seasons and all the physical. They're worried, when are you going to come to your kingdom? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? They're worried about all this physical. And he says, that's not for you to even be concerned about. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit overflows you, comes up on you. It's the Greek epi comes up on you and overflows out of your life to be what? A witness, a martyr, one who dies for their faith throughout Jerusalem. Teaching peace. Judea, praise. To the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what we want to worry about. Is your relationship with the Holy Spirit, he's convicting you of sin. Are you dealing with it? Did he come in and seal you into the day of redemption? It's a preservative term, like you're preserving some things in a jar, and you, you turn the heat up, and it seals you until you go pop that, and it's fresh, and you go, man, that's just like the day it started. See, that's where we're going to be in heaven, finished, completely finished. Here, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. But then, as you begin to drink, and you spend time with God, and you allow the Spirit to wash and cleanse you, Then it begins to overflow. That's the relationship of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's a lot of people that will disagree with that. There's a lot of people that will say, well, wait a minute. I went to Bible college, and I'm using my intellect and my hermeneutics, and I'm laying out these sermons by point. Really? What are you doing in the spiritual? What are you doing with the Spirit of God? Because if all you're worried about is syntax and periods and commas and all those things, that's physical. I know sometimes it's very important because sometimes your flesh can't get past somebody that comes from Kentucky speaking broken English. But what is the Spirit doing in your life? Because it's really not about what I'm doing. I'm just fulfilling my gift. I'm being faithful to do what I'm called to do. Are you trying to finish your race? Are you running with endurance? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to lead you into all truth? Are you following the author and the finisher of your faith, Jesus Christ? Are you endeavoring to lay down the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares you and run with endurance the race that has been set before you? Following the author and finisher? That's Hebrews 12. It'll be tomorrow's reading. Listen, that's what we got to do. And we're going to make mistakes, and that's why the bar of soap is there still. And you say, Lord, that was bad. I, forgive me. That was wrong. And then he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What is your relationship now that the Holy Spirit is coming? By the way, I said that, that John is given this after he's been there in, John, he's been there in Acts chapter 2, and he's seen the Holy Spirit come, and now he can give this. But he also could possibly have been mentioning that when he said the dispersion because he also seen that Jewish people did not, for the biggest part, rejected Jesus. And that's exactly where the gospel went was to the Gentiles, to the dispersion. So he could have been putting both of those in there on purpose because he spent time with God and he knows the truth of God, and he's laying it out for us by the Spirit of God so we can understand it and stop judging by appearance. Stop judging following the the, the systems of the world like the church is doing. The church is following the world close behind, not Jesus close behind. They want to appear righteous, but then they don't want to obey God. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I do? 
They want to appear like there's a religious system, and they have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. We raise up teachers to tickle our ears instead of becoming Bereans and having a relationship with the Word of God. Listen, you don't have to read the whole Bible today, but how about read a page? How about say, Lord, you know what? I've been neglecting your word, and this is, the, this is what I need to live by, not by bread alone, not by physical, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Can you just speak to me for a minute? I want to receive the balm of Gilead and have my soul healed and go out and fulfill my purpose and finish my race and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit at all? Because if you have not the Spirit, you're not God's. Again, it's in Romans 8. Now what happened? When he said all this and all that went on, 40, therefore many from the crowd, many of the people, when they heard this said, heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, truly this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? Again, they're quoting Micah 5 too. See, before they didn't know it, some now some people are speaking that do, that do know that the truth about the scriptures, but they still haven't come, into, they haven't come to Jesus. But notice that they speak a di- couple different things. Is this the prophet? They're confused. Deuteronomy 18, 15, Moses tells them that, that, and God will raise up a prophet like me from among you. It's the same scripture that in chapter 4, chapter 3 of Acts that Peter uses. But they were waiting for a prophet like Moses. And they always thought that it was Joshua, but it was really going to be Jesus all those years ahead that would draw people out, that would come and be the savior of the world. That's the prophet. But others said, is this the Christ, the Mashiach, the anointed of God, the one that's appointed to die for the sins of the world? Again, look, 43. Because they did not know, because the leaders were leading them in different ways, instead of them being led by the Spirit, so there was a division among the people because of him. And there's always going to be. When you speak, when you share the gospel, everywhere, there's always going to be a division. It's going to be divided. Why? Because Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword in the physical realm. I came to bring a sword, the word of God. And the word of God divides. You can have peace with God in the spiritual realm, Romans 5. You have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding when you begin to obey and follow and drink. But he didn't come to bring peace. The first time, he came to bring it a sword. He came to divide. So there's always going to be division. Some will believe, some don't. Two paths, both. Now, some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Now, this is a different thing. They're wanting to make him ruler. They think he's the prophet. They think he's the Messiah. They're wanting to say, let's put him on the throne. That's what they're talking about, taking him there. Because, see, remember the Pharisees and the officers, they already sent officers. Notice this. Now, some of them wanted to take him, 45. Then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? Remember, they sent him out. Remember, they're supposed to obey. The officers answered. This is what they said. This is their explanation. No man ever spoke like this man. Isn't that amazing? Why haven't you brought him? 
Man, he toe-tripped me and punched me in the belly, and I, and I landed on my head. And he, as I looked up, he was hitting Jim. And, and man, he, he's a fighter. No, he spoke. The power in his words. Nobody has ever spoke like him. How can we arrest somebody who's speaking the words of life? You know, that was their chance. They could have said, you know what? Yeah, we heard him earlier, and he was talking, and we couldn't understand it, but we knew there was some power in it. We knew he was talking, and he must be from God. Maybe he is the Messiah. You know what they said? Let's watch. They're hard hearts. Forty-six, forty-seven. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? Oh, I don't believe that. My grandma never believed it. Oh, I don't believe that. That's not in the book. Listen to me. These leaders are forcing their opinions. Do you see death culture today? Either you believe exactly the way they believe, or you're silenced. You're canceled. You're dead to me. Listen, this is the force of a leader. This is the force of fear. This is the force, uh, force of the devil. Did we believe it? Did we say it? Then you can't either. Jesus has given you freely a choice to believe and receive. Now, I'm telling you that when you do and you boldly speak, you might die. You might be a martyr. You might really be killed for Christ. That's part of the game. That's part of the play. But when you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. That is the finish line. Uh, don't we all want to compete and run a race to win? Get the reef, get the crown? Down here we do in the physical. What about the spiritual realm? See, it scares us if we don't know the spirit. It scares us if we don't really believe in God. But there's boldness when the spirit of God is leading your life. So they mock them. They ridicule them. Just like they're treating the other peons. They want them to believe what they say and do what they say and not have a mind of their own. Not think on their own. Not study on their own. Not investigate on their own. Not have a relationship on their own. Because it's the spirit of Antichrist that wants to lead you to hell where they're going. If they don't turn. But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Really? See, that's what they would tell you. Don't listen to those people. They're accursed. They don't know what they're talking about. They didn't go to Hebrew high. Wait a minute. Now another one. See, that was those people. That was them soldiers. That was those people in the temple that would listen to some guy that's talking but they won't listen to the leaders. But wait a minute, here's Nicodemus again. Nicodemus is one of them. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Nicodemus looks just like them. He's one of the separatists that came to Jesus by night. Said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? So he questions them. And what do they do? They eat their own. Just like we see the spirit of the world today. So we wouldn't, shouldn't be deceived into getting involved in a physical battle of what's going on today. We should keep the main thing to maintain and be led by the Spirit and tell people about God. Not caught up in political races, not caught up in all this worldly stuff that's going on, not trying to get the most toys so we can win. 
they answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee, the heathen circle? Are you also unlearned? Are you from that circuit too? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Look, they give him good advice. Search and look. Investigate. Find out. Conversation over. Everyone went to his own house. Where's your house? Is God preparing a house for you in heaven? A mansion for you in heaven? Or is your house down here? Is this the best it's going to get for you? See, this is the worst it's going to be for me. But for some people, it's the best it's ever going to be for them because it's going to get worse when they go to hell. But this is the worst it's ever going to be for me because when I go to heaven, it's going to be pure joy in the presence of the Lord. This is nothing compared to the glory that we receive when we're with Him. Everyone went to his own house. And we're going to see the testimony. Jesus didn't have a house. The birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. Can he lay his head in your house? Will you allow him to satisfy your thirst? Will you come to him and drink and allow rivers of living water to flow out of you? You don't have to do anything but come. <laughs> He'll do the rest. Just surrender. Everybody else is going to bring confusion and underneath the sentence of death. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son Jesus, the anointed, the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Christ who died for us. Thank you, Lord, for the grace that we can believe that and trust you and commit to you. And Lord, we thank you for the desire to be in your word, prayer, and fellowship. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to finish our race, finish our course, that we would run to win, and that we would not be bewitched and led away by earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom or end up fighting a battle in the flesh because we know the weapons of our warfare are mighty and they're in you for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of who you are. Give us a desire to search and find out who you are and to come to know you for this is eternal life that we might know you, Father, and him who sent your son Jesus personally. Lord, help us to be those that hear your voice. You know us and we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I find?